You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Cody Berman. I'm Julie Berninger, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. I was never really a boss at digital passive income. I started several online businesses, everything from selling art to blogging, with measurable but, in my opinion, unimpressive results. I also did the real estate thing for a decade. I made decent money, but in the end, the returns ended up being nowhere near index investing. There was one place, however, where I became passive income royalty. I used my skills and training as a physician to become a medical director of nursing homes in a hospice. Often the actual hours were few, but I was mostly being paid for my availability. I was just a call away if things went bad. Decent income and passive. Unlike me, with the virtual work revolution and the great resignation, many are turning to digital passive income to supplement or even supplant the traditional nine to five. Is there any better time than now? Cody Berman is a serial entrepreneur who is always looking for the next exciting business opportunity. He is co-founder of Gold City Ventures, a founder of the Financial Freedom Summit, and co-host of The Fi Show. Through his brands, he teaches others about various money-related topics, including side hustles, entrepreneurship, online business, and financial independence. Julie Berninger is a work-at-home mom who left corporate America to teach people how to sell on Etsy. She is passionate about helping women reach financial independence through side hustles. She's co-founder of Gold City Ventures, the writer behind Millennial Boss, and former host of the Fire Drill podcast. Cody and Julie, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Julie, I want to start with you. Let's compare and contrast you and Cody here. It would be inaccurate to say that you hated corporate America, wouldn't it? No, I loved corporate America. And for the first decade of my career, I was trying to get promoted and do all the things to get to the next rung of the ladder. So it's a little bit of a shock to see where I currently am now, but I'm in a happier place, even if I didn't plan this. Did you foresee it at all, Julie? I mean, you liked corporate America. You were happy to be moving forward. Could you have foreseen that you'd be in such a good place now? I think the turning point for me was when I moved to Silicon Valley in 2016. And that was the place to be if you're working in tech. I had what would be somewhat of a dream job working for a company that almost everyone here has heard of and may own a product of that company in their pocket. But it was something that I realized wasn't for me once I got in there because I was learning all about the digital world and online side hustles and passive income. And that was where I determined, okay, I can do both and I'll start doing there doing both because I want to explore what this other world could be like for me. Cody, let me turn this around a little bit, but ask you a very similar question. 
admittedly, you had read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss when you were 19. This was way before you went for and eventually attained a corporate job. Why bother doing the formal job thing in the first place? Clearly, you had an inkling that there was another way to do things. A lot of societal pressure. Everyone told me I was already in college at that point. I was going for my finance and economics degree. I figured, you know, might as well use it. I'm going to all these classes and I'm getting these internships. And at that time, I mean, I was side hustling my butt off. I was trying to build every business I possibly could, but I wasn't making enough money to live off of. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this corporate thing for a little bit. I'm going to save up a bunch of money. Hopefully some of these side hustles that I'm trying take off and you know, the rest is history. Cody, it's an interesting point, right? Because as you've gotten more and more successful at this, was there part of you that said, man, I wasted my time going to college. I didn't even really need to do that. So I get this question a lot. It's an interesting one. So I probably use 3% of the stuff that I learned in college, but what I did learn was how to learn better and how to network. Like Those are two really valuable skills that I think college taught me. Again, a lot of the substance that I learned, I don't really use much, but I think those two skills have really helped me and you know, become a successful entrepreneur is being able to you know network, talk to people, do all that follow-up stuff. And yeah, I, I definitely would go back if I had to rewind the clock. I wouldn't, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, screw college. It wasn't worth it at all. So Julie, let's talk about being ensconced in corporate America, but then you started kind of passive income side hustle stuff on the side. Tell us about the first venture that actually made you money. The first thing I did to make money was to monetize my blog. But at the same time, I was also opening an Etsy shop for bachelorette parties. So I was pursuing both avenues. And the Etsy shop stuff came about because I was listening to all the podcasts on my lunch break, going on the bus to work, to and from. I couldn't get enough of podcasts. And I kept hearing about people that were selling really inexpensive products on places like Etsy and Amazon. And for me, I had been attending tons of bachelorette parties. I was in my 20s at the time. I'm in my 30s now. And I knew that women attending these parties would spend a lot of money on kind of throwaway doodads that don't cost very much to manufacture. So that's when I said, you know what? It's my turn to give this a go. I will start selling bachelorette temporary tattoos. And they took off and I made a little bit of money. Do you remember the moment, Julie, when it really sunk in and you're like, no, 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 no. wait, I can actually make some money doing this. I think when I got my first sale, which in the Etsy space and in the bachelorette party space, you're seeing people buy products for 15 to 20 women that will be attending the event. So you can make $15, $20 per order. Now, of course, I had a nice job in Silicon Valley. So this was a fraction. It didn't make a debt necessarily in my income, but the excitement that I had over this you know, $15 order, it couldn't be matched. Didn't you, Julie, if I remember this correctly, you made like a $15 order and then you went out and spent like $70 on dinner to celebrate. <laughs> yes. Everything is expensive in California. So we went to a really expensive burger place and you know had a very good meal and we're in the hole after that. Right. But it was just incredible. And I think, you know, you ask Cody, does he regret his college degree? I mean, I also had just finished my master's degree at the time in computer information systems. And my goal was, oh, this will help me get to the next level in my current field. And it was just kind of weird where I ended up wanting to spend my time after work instead of delving more into that. I wanted to spend my time doing all this online side hustle stuff. And that's where I knew that this is where I'm passionate about. And I really should start building that path and explore it. Cody, let's talk about this because I remember 
when I started a side hustle selling artwork, I was a new private practice physician at the time. And I was rushing between patients to fulfill an eBay order. And that first eBay order, I was so excited about like the 50 bucks I made where clearly the next 15 minutes, I was going to be seeing a patient in the office. I was going to make double, triple that for just a few minutes of time. Is there something special about the money you make from either passive income or a side hustle product sale that's just different than you make from corporate America? I mean, does it feel value-wise that it's different? Yeah, I think there's a real sense of ownership, whether it's selling digital products or you know, you create a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel. Once that first dollar hits, even if it's two, three bucks, like I think the first thing I ever made was like from through my blog, that's kind of where it all started in the personal finance space. And I made like two dollars on some affiliate commission and I was amped and I was making like $75,000 at my corporate job, but it was so much more fulfilling making that $2 from the blog because it was something that I did. Like I had complete ownership. This was 100%. The reason I'm getting this paycheck, quote unquote paycheck right now is because of the work I did. I just loved that. Cody, when did it click for you? When did you kind of make that emotional turn and say, okay, I could keep working in corporate America, but I clearly can be successful a different way. So I was really frugal straight out of college. I kind of kept the college kid budget. I was spending like between a thousand and twelve hundred a month, and I was making coincidentally about a thousand to twelve hundred a month inside hustles. And I was just talking to so many people in this space. I was going to events like Camp Fi, where we have previously hung out, Doc. And I was like, I'm just gonna go for it. I had saved up like I think close to fifty thousand dollars at that point, and I was like, at my current level of spending, this is at least like three years of entrepreneurial freedom to just like. You know, test the waters, see if I can do this, see if I'm cut out to be an entrepreneur. And yeah, that I kind of just what after I had a little bit of a financial runway from that corporate job, I was just stockpiling all that I could make. I was like, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go full into entrepreneurship. Cody, it's an important point, right? Because a lot of people feel like you have to be in the exponential growth phase to leave a nine to five. I'd actually describe where you are today much more in that space than where you were then. But for you, it sounds like it was much more based on, can I cover my basic needs? Yeah, that's totally accurate. And I just wanted to see if I could do it. And again, I was fortunate. I was young. I didn't have a family to support. I didn't have like a mortgage payment. I had a lot of economic flexibility, I guess you could say. Like My fixed expenses were pretty low. And so that gave me just so much leeway, so much room to kind of get creative with entrepreneurship. And you know, if I needed to, you know, even whittle down my budget a little bit more because I had a bad month freelancing or whatever I was doing at the time, I could make that happen. So I was fortunate the position I was in, you know, being 22 years old or whatever I was. But I think you know a lot of people have the opportunity to take risks like that, and it's it's scary. So I'm not going to say like I went in, I'm like, you know, I'm going to crush this. I'm definitely going to be an entrepreneur. I was scared when I first quit my job, like multi-thousand dollar paychecks coming in every other week. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, every single dollar that comes in now is going to be a direct product of some work that I'm doing, which is a really scary feeling because it's not always guaranteed. Julie, speak to what Cody just said, because you know it strikes me. He's like, look, I'm 22 years old. I don't have kids yet. This is the time to jump in. I feel like your story is exactly the opposite. You jumped in it at a very different time of life. Yes. I really admire how Cody took these risks. Because if you think about it, I am seven years roughly older than him. And we have the same net worth at this point. And we're, do- we're at the same spot. We're doing the same thing. We co-founded this company together. But I 
quote unquote, had to spend a decade in corporate America really to get to the same spot that he is currently at. So you can get ahead financially in life and do what you want to do earlier. You don't have to necessarily go the path that I did. Now, my path was more conservative. So let's say, for example, entrepreneurship doesn't work out for me. You could theoretically say that I have the resume that I can go and get another job. But at this point, I don't ever want to go back. I see what the flexibility and the excitement that an entrepreneurial life can offer. And I won't ever go back. And also Cody, who wouldn't want to hire Cody? I mean, he's a go-getter that built a seven-figure business. He's also going to be able to get a job too. So it just makes me think that there are all these things that I built up in my head. Now, that being said, I also have a kid. I have a mortgage. My husband and I have to run decisions by each other. Whereas when Cody started this, he was single. He's now engaged. Congrats to Cody. But you know, we were, we're in different places, but I think those were just mindset things. I did have student loans. I think for me, I wouldn't have been comfortable taking these risks until I had student loans. And in fact, actually, our business, I think, was already a seven-figure business by the time I left corporate America. I was hanging on by a thread. It was very difficult for me to do all the things. So I waited to the last possible second. But you know, that's also a personality difference between Cody and I, too. I feel like for Cody, Julie, having no children almost gave him permission or was part of the mix of things that gave him permission to go for it. Am I wrong in saying that having a child might have been part of the permission you needed to go for it and, and kind of dive into a full life of entrepreneurship and passive income? Oh, absolutely. So I was on maternity leave and we were just starting to do really well with our business. My side hustles in blogging and Etsy were really taking off. And I had, and I also had years of saving because we were on the financial independence retire early journey. So we had this sort of nest egg that we've been building after we've learned from all the amazing people in our community that we really listened to when we were in our 20s and, and it works. So we entered our 30s in a great spot. But having my daughter just kind of put me over the edge, I was due to be back from maternity leave on March 2020. And I was at re- seriously contemplating the month before of, you know, what if I don't go back? What if I just give this a go right now? And then, of course, the whole world changed overnight mm-hmm. the week before I was supposed to be due back to work. And my husband and I chatted and we said, you know what? We don't know what's going on right now. Why don't you just go back and we'll see if we can do all the things? And we tried. We tried so hard. And I realized for two working parents, it is very, very difficult to make it all happen and both pursue your career and the things that interest you and also be there for your family and take care of your a young kid. Then something else happened with my daughter for health reasons that made us not interested in going to daycare anymore just because of some specific things that she faced. And we were looking ahead at, okay, well, you know, we're not, we're going to keep her home yet. We're both working. How are we going to make this work? And that's when I finally said enough is enough. I am good at this entrepreneurship stuff. I have a great partner in Cody. Let me just jump off the cliff and see what happens. And of course, there wasn't an actual cliff. I had already been building the systems and and started setting up those processes for a long time. But yeah, I mean, my daughter was sort of the turning point of the point of no return. Like, hey, this doesn't actually work out. Corporate America for two people is really, really hard. If you if you have young kids, there's another way that you can do this. That's better. And as the as the mom in in our, our relationship, maybe I felt some you know added pressures. And I felt that entrepreneurship was a great solution to any of those challenges or constraints that I faced. Cody, I feel like we intersperse this idea of entrepreneurship and passive income and sometimes confuse them or confabulate them. On this episode, we have to still go back and ask the basic question that's been asked multiple times, but I think deserves to be answered again and again is, in your estimation, what is passive income? And 
in a sense, does the amount of work you put into it have to do with the definition? I don't know if the amount of work that goes into it has to do deal with the definition. I consider passive income and you know people might battle me on this, but something that you're putting a lot of effort whether or time or energy or money into at the front, at the beginning, and then you're kind of reaping the benefits of that project, of that labor, of that energy, of that money down the road. You might have to do little updates. You might have to, if you have a you know real estate, you might have to check in once a month with your property management company. There are things that I still would consider passive income, but in essence, it's just like setting up a system, putting in, again, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's money into some thing, whether that's a digital product or real estate or some other business venture, some other investment opportunity. And then you're kind of reaping the, the benefit of that thing that you invested those resources into later down the road without having to trade your time directly for it. Julie, you agree with that definition? Anything to add? I think some people would say maybe technically it's residual income, but I think what everyone understands, you know, if you use the word passive income, they mean what Cody is saying here. And that's why we use that term for the things that we do. And I think selling on Etsy or selling courses or digital products, they really do fit that term. I mean, last year I moved across the country because as part of this whole pandemic thing, I realized I need to live near my parents or my husband's parents. So we literally moved right near them so that we could get help with childcare and and we could get some more of our time back. And it's been lovely. But I also made over a thousand dollars a month on Etsy on work that I had done prior and didn't even do anything. Now I answered a couple customer questions. You could argue that maybe that's not passive, but it, it is different than my corporate job where I was sitting at my desk. And if I don't show up to work that day, I don't, I get in trouble or, you know, I don't get paid. So that that's kind of how I like to think about it. I mean, to really simplify things, something that's passive, like you can, you can get paid while you're sleeping, literally while you're sleeping. Like if you're selling on Etsy, you can, you'll wake up to a notification. Like you made this many sales last night. If you, you know, have some other digital products, like a course or an ebook and you make make sales when you're not by your computer, maybe you're on vacation, maybe you're sleeping. Those are the things I consider passive income. You're, you're kind of, you're making money while you're doing other things. Julie, put it into perspective for me, because I've done both what I'd call traditional passive income as well as a nine to five with parts of it feeling very corporate, which is more risky. Because I have to tell you, at least for me, I felt at different times in my life that each of them overtook each other for riskiness, depending on what was going on in my world. If you had asked me this five years ago, I would tell you that the entrepreneurship passive income was the riskiest. But now... I actually think it's the opposite, where if you're working for someone else, that's such a risk. And if you aren't learning skills that you can always make sure that you and your family are okay, because you know how to do things that people are willing to pay you for, that is the ultimate security blanket. And even now with everything going on with a potential recession or whatever's going on in the world, I sleep at night knowing I know how to set up a business. I know how to make money. I know how to find out what customers want and, and give it to them in ways that I can do having a family. And I think there's nothing more safe than that. Cody, it's an interesting point, this idea that building the skill sets in order to run your own business will protect you long-term. Was there any concern or fear on your side as you saw us going into the pandemic and into the pandemic recession that there wouldn't be as much appetite out in the world for what you were selling. Like you were selling a set of digital skills, which you could teach people at least part of your passive income. 
Was there any worry that that people wouldn't be buying, that they'd be busy worrying about other things? I think the interesting interesting thing is selling on Etsy, people were home more than ever during the pandemic. So a lot of like print at home, a lot of like planners, things like that. People were buying the search demand and, and actually purchase volume actually went up during the pandemic because people were at home. Maybe they were bored. Maybe they're you know shopping on Etsy and they wanted to you know buy a planner or an invitation or a calendar or some cute thing for a party. There's so many different you know circumstances where people were just they're home more. They had more free time. They didn't have the commute that they're dealing with. And yeah, it actually, you know, it, we're really fortunate that we were in this online space that was actually blowing up during the pandemic, but search demand went through the roof. And I also want to add two specific examples because I completely agree with Cody and we saw this play out. People will always want to buy things. You just have to figure out, well, what has changed and what do they want now? So in the case of selling printables, and, and we are fortunate enough to have seen many people start selling printables on Etsy. And we saw how they had to adjust in 2020. We saw people, instead of selling Halloween themed printables, depending on where you lived, the rules around trick-or-treating changed. So in some places, people would put a table out in front of their house and they'd make these pre-made candy bags because they didn't want people sticking their hands in the bowl for whatever reason. And those really took off. So our students that were paying attention to kind of cultural shifts and what customers needed and wanted and how that was different than what was offered before, they did really well. We also had someone else, another student of ours that she sold in the wedding space. And at first we were thinking, how is she going to do this? People are canceling their events. Well, people were sending out rescheduled the dates instead of save the dates and they needed to buy those. And if you are someone that's paying attention and you're smart and you're thinking, okay, well, what has changed in current events that has changed buying patterns and what customers want, you can really take advantage of that. And I think, you know, we're talking about printables, but that type of flexibility and just being smart can apply to any business owner. Cody, as I listen to Julie, I, I think the idea is like pay attention and pivot, right? That's how you figure out the market. Talk to me a little bit about the forming of Gold City Ventures and did it go the way you thought it would go? Absolutely not. <laughs> we launched this back in mid-2019, and Julie and I had the bright idea to launch three full-blown courses all at once. Do not recommend that. <laughs> we had uh, blogging, we had freelancing, and Julie had recently had a lot of success selling printables on Etsy, so we started an Etsy printables course called the ePrintables course. I never would have guessed that 80 plus percent of people would go for that course. I really thought the blogging would be pretty big. You know, maybe people would be interested in freelancing who knew my story because that's kind of like how I was able to quit corporate America. But nope, it was like 85% of people want to learn this fun, creative side hustle because you know, not only are you earning money, but it's fun. Like you get to let out some of your creative energy when you're creating these digital products. So never in a million years when we first started did myself or Julie think that we would just go all in on printables and selling on Etsy and digital products. But that's what it's become. And it's been a ton of fun. And we've helped so many people. I mean, Julie was just mentioning a couple of our students there. We've had people quit their jobs. We've had people be able to travel around the country. We've had people who are paying their mortgages off with the money they're making from Etsy. It's amazing. Julie, I'm getting the mental picture of right people throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks. Tell me about some of the other kind of quote unquote failures that you had early in the business at Gold City Ventures that you eventually learned from. I think the best thing about working with Cody is that we both love this aspect of business. I can see how other people don't have the personality to do those quick pivots, but we have had many of them over the course. I mean, we've been doing this for three years now. So beyond the initial time where we thought, hey, we're super side hustlers. 
let's offer three side hustle courses. Oh, wait, only pe- people actually seem to only want Etsy. You know, we had to make some decisions to actually shut down some of the other products that we were offering. So, you know, when it, what, I can give you two specific examples. The second example was our blogging offerings. So, Yes, we learned that Etsy was a clear winner, but we did make a substantial amount from blogging and we were both super passionate about it because this was a shared interest. Cody has since made an Etsy shop and really taken off. But on the blogging side, you know, we realized that it was a lot of administrative work to run a blogging course. People, it's not simple. Etsy printables, while you know, it can be tricky to learn it and get started, it's a simple concept. Anyone who's ever started a blog understands how techy and kind of confusing it could be in the beginning. So when you're making a course offering where you kind of promise to help people start a blog that is profitable, you need to commit to them committing to you for probably about a year. And that is just too long of a time frame. And it, you know, we don't know what type of questions we're going to get from tech, depending on what plugins people had. It was very complex. So we made the decision to kind of shut down some of our blogging offerings because facilitating that product just took too much effort. Where and it was the result for the customers was too far out. Whereas on the Etsy side, we can get them money faster potentially, depending on you know how well they implemented the material. And from the perspective of us administrating the delivery of the product, we actually could get through that easier and less expensive as well. We are talking to Cody Berman and Julie Berninger. They are the creators of Gold City Ventures, which, among other things, helps people earn passive income through creating digital products on Etsy. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to remind you, if you want to find out what is going on with the Earn and Invest podcast or me, Jordan Grummet, there are a few ways to get more information. One is that you can go to my personal website, JordanGrummet.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-G-R-U-M-E-T.com. There you'll find links to my medical blog, my financial blog, as well as the Earn and Invest podcast. You'll also learn what is the newest, latest, and greatest when it comes to my book, Taking Stock, which will be coming out August 2nd. We're going to make the push for early or pre-sales in July. You can find it on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Nobles. You name it, you can find it there. And last but not least, visit us on Facebook. The best way to get there is earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. In our Facebook group, we discuss everything from personal finance 
to current events, to what's happening in our world, as well as I post every episode there. So check us out. A few different ways to reach me, either at jordangrummet.com or at earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. I hope to see you there and become part of the Earn and Invest community. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Cody Berman. He is a serial entrepreneur who's always looking for the next exciting business opportunity. And Julie Berninger is a work-at-home mom who left corporate America to teach people how to sell on Etsy. And we're talking about passive income. Cody, let's go back to this concept of passive income being your only income, right? Because there are lots of people who have a traditional corporate or nine-to-five job and then earn some passive income on the side. If you're looking to be one of those more successful people who use passive income as your sole source of income, do you have to be diversified? Because what I'm hearing is a lot of times you will throw kind of a lot of pieces of spaghetti against the wall and maybe one will work particularly well. Is it okay to kind of ride that gold mine all the way down? Or do you feel like you have to have your hands in a lot of different things? If you can find a gold mine, ride it as long as you can, but you have to be able to, to pivot. You have to be somewhat unafraid to fail or at least willing to fail and learn from those failures. And I mean, Julie and I have been throwing spaghetti at the wall for the past three years and change and just seeing what works. And we've shut down some things. We've changed our offerings around. Like so many things have changed since we first started Gold City Ventures. But yeah, I think being diversified is it's a great idea. You never know what's going to stick. You never know what's going to work. You could think you have the best offer ever and no one's interested. And then you have this other thing and everyone's interested in it. And you have to capitalize on that. You have to read the data. You have to be somewhat analytical. You have to at least like, like Julie was talking about, analyze trends, see what people are actually looking for and then deliver on that promise. So yes, I I mean, I like having multiple income streams and we do have multiple income streams with Gold City Ventures. Like we haven't just gone all in on like one specific thing. We're helping people in all aspects of selling digital products on Etsy from, you know, eBooks to actual courses to a membership. Like there's so much that has kind of gone into the business and you know, it, it kind of helps us be more diversified and more, I guess, like recession-proof. I wanted to add two things to that as well. From the perspective of the business, anytime you run a business where you have a dependency on another company, they don't tell you their moves ahead of time. So we have to be ready at all times at the drop of a hat. What if Etsy says, oh, we don't sell digital downloads anymore? Now, this could make someone that's new thinking about selling on Etsy run for the hills, but this is just some some conversations that you know Cody and I will have as seasoned business owners of look we need to be prepared because we just don't know what's going to happen. We had something that come up this year where one of our key tech partners where we really recommend their product and we include it in our course, they changed their UI. They changed the whole way and we had to re-record a lot of our videos. So we have to be ready for that. Now on the personal side, Cody, just being in a different life stage, the time that he has to explore starting an Airbnb, real estate, he's doing some angel investing. He's really in all all different spaces. I am very envious, but I'm also not in a great spot in my season of life where I feel like I have that, that space and that time to diversify in those ways. So I'm actually thinking a lot about that. Now that I left my corporate job, I do have Gold City Ventures. I have my side hustles through blogging and Etsy that are going well, but I'm starting to meet with financial advisors just to say, hey, how can I diversify and make sure that I'm protecting the wealth that I've built, and then also making sure that I'm making the right plans for the future and the future of my family, because I just don't feel like I have the capacity to take on any other investments just in right, particularly now in my life. Julie, do you ever miss the kind of more defined aspect of corporate America? I mean, you ever look back and say, 
man, it was kind of simple, right? I, I knew what I was doing every day. I was showing up to work and, and it was kind of the path was defined for me. I would say, and by the way, I don't regret that at all. And in fact, I think I bring a lot. I bring some of the bad. I know corp, corporate Julie can come out sometimes and Cody can say, okay, whoa, this is, this is a little <laughs> too intense for us. But I do bring 10 years of experience working for amazing companies where I learned things that as a business owner help me. And I've shared with Gold City Ventures and they, they help us every day, like process and procedural things mostly and, and sort of knowing how things work and, and things like that. But at the same time, you know, Cody's an example of someone that if you choose to forgo that and don't learn it in corporate America, you can just find someone that has worked in corporate America that takes it seriously and, you know, also kind of benefit from that as well. And then also what Cody brings to the table, I mean, he's he's much more risk tolerant than me in a lot of ways. I mean, we're both we're both we both take a lot of risks just being in the business of entrepreneurs but kind of the energy that he brings for new experiences and also um he's a good counterweight to me when i start getting a little too corporate america sometimes Cody Julie was just talking about risks what is the biggest risk of passive income can we narrow it down to one big thing that people worry about i think it would be lack of diversification so if you're just relying on one sole income source for passive income whether that's a digital product, whether that's like real estate, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, who could have predicted we were going to have a pandemic in 2020? Who would have predicted that inflation was going to go crazy and interest rates were going to rise? You just, you can never really account for, you can never guess what's going to happen next. So I think having all of your eggs, all of your passive income eggs in one basket is a huge risk. No matter how well it's going today, you're going to have to at least have the capacity to pivot in the future if something goes wrong. Julie, I feel like the holy grail of passive income is the six-figure yearly salary, right? That's when we, we really say people have made it when they're bringing in six figures. If you look at all the articles, right? If you look at all the articles, you'll see that he made or she made six figures in passive income. How likely is your average person to be able to get there? with digital entrepreneurship and passive income, whether that be real estate or what have you. Because I I worry sometimes that we're really great with this survivorship bias. Like we hear all the people who are talking about being successful, but don't necessarily hear about the people who who had a a rougher go. Yeah, it's it's definitely not for everyone. And I reached the six figures before we even started Gold City Ventures together through blogging and then blogging makes money through advertising in other ways. I had a podcast, I had Etsy, but there's definitely something about my personality and Cody's and yours that lends us to be more likely to make it there. And the students that we have seen that have crossed six figures, they brought a certain something and we, for the most part, knew who they were immediately. So, so for some examples, they're the ones that are messaging you, even though you only sell access to you for a certain point, we're getting messages from them, questions. And we're like, wow, we just know their name. We know who they are. Right. Whereas other people, they'll go through a course or program and they just never contact you and you never know. We did have some students that have made it to that six figure mark who we never heard of before, but usually if there's a certain personality of like a go-getter and it's not necessarily a certain background. It's just, they were leaned in and they're serious and they're going to do this no matter what. So I, I think there's, you know, is it, is it likely for everyone? Absolutely not. Can everyone do it? Honestly, no, but you can. And we see, we've seen people do it and we have. 
I think being a self-starter is a really big differentiating factor between who is a successful entrepreneur and who is not. Because if you're the type of person who, you know, maybe you're tired and you don't feel like doing much at your corporate job and you're just sitting there on a Tuesday and you're getting paid and maybe you're answering a couple emails here and there. If you're an entrepreneur, that you don't get paid that day. You're not making money if you're not making forward progress in your business. So you have to have some kind of motivation. You have to be someone who takes action and takes consistent action. It takes action in the right direction so that your business moves forward and you start to make money. Because I know you would ask this job, this job, this question to Julie earlier about her job. Like, you know, do you miss just showing up for work? Your boss tells you what to do. You kind of have all the stuff outlined. It's so different as an entrepreneur. You're always trying new things. You have to, you have to have the discipline to go through with those plans. And I think that's what kind of, you know, separates the successful entrepreneurs from the ones who don't make it. Yeah. And I want to add one more thing too. And I agree hundred percent with Cody. Also, if you are not in a season of life where you have the runway to just lean in 100%, you have to be much smarter about it. So when I started doing all this, I'm in my late 20s. My husband and I were, were married and we're both huge nerds. And we spent every single weekend learning about this stuff. I mean, our earliest dates were at Barnes and Noble reading Tim Ferriss books. Like we're just, <laughs> we're that type of couple. And we, we put a lot of effort into it and we had the time to. Now I don't have the time. We have a small child. We have other things going on in our life. And every move that I make, I have to be smarter. And by the way, I, I built this business with a newborn. We've seen many people go through our kind of programs with young kids. It can totally be done, but you just have to think about that and say, all right, I need to build this passive from the start. I need to outsource and hire and invest my money back in software and people that help me scale. And every single time you start feeling, I mean, this is what I do in my head. Like I start feeling down about how much time I have available to me. I just say, okay, this is a challenge. How do I scale? And I tell myself that like, even, you know, weird times, like in the shower, I'm like, oh, life is so hard. I just think like, okay, I can do this. How do I scale? And that's how I go forward. So I don't want to discourage anyone that's like, hey, um, you know, they built this when they were in their twenties and all that. I mean, you can, you just have to be a little smarter about how you do it, but it's possible. Cody, it's funny because I'm listening to Julie and you talk and I hear you talk about being a self-starter and I hear Julie talking about worrying about the time crunch and fitting everything in. And I wonder in a sense, you know, is it possible for you to turn your passive income into a nine to five? I mean, are we kind of at risk that some of the aggressiveness that goes along with figuring out the passive income thing actually makes it start feeling like the same cage we were trying to get out of? Well, I think the beauty of passive income is that choice. I mean, if you're building these, if you're spending your days working a quote unquote nine to five and you're building these passive income systems then you go, you know stop cold turkey and you go travel for 6 months these things are still going to be paying you if you're building these passive income systems so that's the big differentiator is hopefully like if you're in that position where you are spending a lot of your time building these different passive income businesses you're doing it because you want to you're doing it because it lights you up you're doing it because it excites you that's kind of the position that myself and Julia are in like we you know, don't have to work as hard as we're working probably on the stuff that we're working on but it excites us like we like trying new things we like seeing what works we like digging into the data so i think that's the big difference between you know working on say a passive income business versus just working in a regular 9 to 5 is you stop working that regular nine to five, the paychecks are not going to be coming in anymore. Whereas with the passive income, you're still making that money even if you stop. I will say this is our personalities and that goes into it. So for example, when all this stuff went down with the pandemic, I had a nest egg that some people would walk away from corporate America from. I mean, I have friends that have decided they're retired early with less and they're doing great. 
but it's me. I want to contribute meaningfully in society. And even after I had my daughter, I was you know, trying to see what was happening. I know a lot of people, maybe they feel that they want to be home and, and working. For some reason, I just was getting really jazzed up and energized. And, and I love being both. I love being a mom and I love working. So for me, the issue is just, I can't turn it off. So I, I you know, Cody and I, we've built this business that runs without us. I've had times where I'm unavailable 99% of the day. I mean, Cody has just been a digital nomad exploring all these wonderful places. I mean, he's dialing in right now from Italy. He was in Park City. He was in Nashville. Last year, he was in Argentina and just doing all the things. And for me, that flexibility has allowed my family and I to take family vacations. Anytime anything happens with my daughter, I'm there 100% present. And also, it's given my husband kind of freedom to take a more flexible job too. He has an online job and we can just kind of do whatever we want, uh, which is awesome. But the reason why we, we work so hard is just who we are. Most people would have just let it let it coast. But you know, we want to always get to the next level. I think Cody grounds me a little bit. He tends to be a little more traditional fire than me. You could tell how I might have felt in corporate America. I still have that drive here, but I'm working on that with myself of what is enough and can I just let it go? Cody, tell me a little bit about the role of passion. I mean, can you embark on this passive income journey with the sole purpose of making money to get out or is really passive a necessary or passion a necessary ingredient? It's not necessary, but it certainly helps. You are going to be more successful with something that you're passionate about. If you hate whatever passive income system business that you're working on, you're not going to be motivated to work on it in your spare time. Like when I have a few minutes, like I'm going and working on something for Gold City Ventures, like I just get really into projects, which is fun. If I wasn't passionate about it, if I didn't love the art of business building, then we probably wouldn't be where we're at today. If Julie didn't like what we're doing, we, you know, we'd definitely be less successful because we'd just be like, oh, you know, we're just doing this to kind of pay the bills and to hit financial independence and then go and do this thing after. But like, I think Julie and I are really intentional about trying to like build the life that we love, like along the way, instead of just like, nose to the grindstone as hard as we possibly can and then just like quit and then try to figure out what makes us happy. Like we're consciously you know, taking the steps to build like the perfect work-life balance, the perfect day as we're building out the business. So Julia, I've accused of Tim Ferriss being a little bit hyperbolic with his four-hour work week. Am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> You're wrong because there have been times that Cody and I have done that. And I mean, truthfully, you need to get to a point where you can outsource things almost like you know, he, he does it to a point of a cartoon in the book. Like I remember he's trying to pick out a gift for a significant other and he hires a VA to make that selection. I mean, if I was a significant other, I'd be like, how rude, seriously. <laughs> but, you know, it is it is true. I don't want to say it's true to everyone. And it takes a certain point of revenue where you can invest back in your business. But yeah, I mean, you can scale almost all the pieces of it. Now, the issue that Cody and I have run into though, and this kind of ties back to the passion and picking something that you're passionate about, business moves very fast. And you, like we talked about before, you always have to be picking your head up and be reading in information and making that call. And it's very difficult to kind of outsource that strategic work of your business particularly for a contractor or someone that, you know, an employee, someone that's not necessarily getting equity share like you would as the owner. So that is something that makes our business less than passive, but you know, it doesn't really happen that often. Maybe a couple of times per year is when one of these big things happen and we need to be available in order to make those changes. Cody burnout. 
is 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 it is it a thing with passive income? Well, the nice thing, like I was saying before, is if you're feeling burnt out and you're working on passive income, you just shut it off for a week or two. Or you know, I'm in my third week of travel right now, and I'm you know I'm hopping on maybe an hour or two of work in the morning and just getting essential things done and making sure everything's running smoothly. But I mean, it's you know I'm working like an hour a day, so it's it is the Tim Ferriss Tim Ferriss four or five hour work week, I guess you could say. And you know, the beauty of building these systems out and selling like digital products and investing in things that pay you in the future is that. If I'm feeling burnt out, I'll, you know, go take a vacation. I'll just shut it off for a week. And Julie and I have both done that. We've just been like, okay, you know, I want to enjoy these next couple of weeks. We're just going to kind of take a step back from the business. Only mission critical things will log in and do something for. But we've kind of built Gold City Ventures out pretty strategically. And also with our, you know, our personal stuff, like we're also selling digital products on Etsy, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk. And yeah, it's it, it's been amazing. But it, it was it all started with intention, like building out the systems and whether it's investing in people or software or the right products, the right offerings, you have to be intentional about that because you know, some businesses just they aren't passive income. Like if you're a freelance writer, yes, you could build a team and hire people under you, but if you're just straight out doing freelance writing, like that's not passive income. So you have to be intentional about the businesses that you're spending your time building. Julie, let's be tactical for a moment. Discuss the pros and cons of quitting your job and hyper-focusing on passive income versus building passive income up slowly while you continue your corporate job. I would recommend 99% of the time, the process of building it up slowly, because you have to determine if you have the it factor and meaning really, if you like it. And I've seen people that they do jump in thinking that they like the entrepreneurial journey and they actually hate it. They really hate it. They feel like they're hustling for money. And an example, my my good friend and former co-host, Gwen, she actually was the first to take the leap and said, you know what, I'm going to try entrepreneurship full time. And she truly did hate it. And now she's back. She's the one that works in corporate America. She's really happy and loving it. And I, it's the opposite where I was really happy in corporate America. And then it turns out that I'm loving entrepreneurship and this is where I was meant to be. So I, I really do caution anyone to jump full, full into this. And even I tell that to my husband because he sometimes is, oh, I really want to start my own business. I'm like, well, let, let's just see because your happiness is really important and we all only have one life to live. And if you are deeply unhappy or you're putting yourself in a, a situation where you feel stuck, that's not helpful to you. That's not helpful to your family if you have one. So always test these things, give it a go, see if you are capable of making money on the side and then quit once you have that bridge. Just a distinction I want to make and just, you know, in terminology and my story as well, like when I first started, when I first made that jump, it wasn't like I was making all passive income. I wasn't making that 1,200 in passive income. I was hustling. Like I was doing active income side hustles. I was freelance writing. I was building websites. I was doing podcast editing. So if you're someone who, you know, you're just at the beginning of your journey and to echo Julie's point, if you don't have another income source, like or you know you want to just kind of go into this you're the 1% that wants to just go full into entrepreneurship you can supplement like these passive income business models with active income so you can you know start to learn these skills you can do like freelancing you can do all these different things where you're trading your time for money and then building the more passive businesses on the side that was exactly what I did again i was making like $5 in passive income when i first started I also want to give a quick anecdote. 
the first time Cody and I discussed all these things, we met in the Boston Commons and we went for a walk. This is back years ago. And I, he said, I'm going to leave my corporate job. I said, Cody, you've only been working for six months. And I <laughs> said the exact same thing to him, trying to tell him not to quit his job. Well, thank goodness he didn't listen to me, right? Because where would we be today? And look where he is. So, you know, you know yourself, you know, deep down what you want to do. So don't let someone like me, who's more conservative, talk you into staying if you're like, hey, I'll be okay. And I can just take the jump. That's just my own personal journey. And I think it's really funny that Cody and I had that exact chat. Yeah, I was about to say, I've had a few chats with Cody, too, telling him my thoughts of of jumping straight into passive income. And clearly, he showed me wrong multiple, multiple times. Yeah. So that's, that's not an uncommon thing with Cody. One last tactical question, Cody. A lot of people are listening to this and they're like, yes, I, I want this. What's like the first best step? Like, how do you go from knowing and understanding none of this being kind of a corporate, we'll call you a corporate drone, maybe you like your job, maybe you don't, but... <laughs> What's the first thing to start to do to lead you onto that pathway? I seriously think it all starts with mindset and trying to think with, I know we've used this word a bunch, thinking with scale in mind, how can I invest my time, my energy, my money into something that I can sell, you know, certain number of copies of, or I can make this passive income from in the future. So like, for me, I had never, you know, even heard of Etsy or digital products. Or, <laughs> I'd literally never been on Etsy before. I kind of heard of this side hustle, which is like the bread and butter of Gold City Ventures. But you know, Julie had spent like I don't know fifty or sixty hours. I think you had told me, and you had made like a couple thousand dollars, and you were just kind of recycling and selling these products over and over again. And honestly, that's what you know. People would be like, "What's the best passive income side hustle?" And Honestly, like you know, you could probably make more money, say, doing real estate. But is that realistic that everyone's going to jump in, buy an investment property, build out the systems and management team and all this stuff to have like a quote unquote passive income? Probably not. And I honestly think digital products is the best starting point for someone who has never experienced the, you know, literally making money while you sleep. You wake up, you have a notification on your phone. I sold this calendar. I sold this planner. I sold this party game. Like it is the best feeling in the world. But again, it all starts with kind of getting in the mindset, understanding the types of things that scale, the types of things that you can like make money while you're sleeping. So if you want to get started, I, I, I really honestly think digital products is probably the easiest road. Like it is the lowest, obst- the lowest uh, height obstacle that you have to jump over if you want to start experiencing this passive income thing. Again, there are other ways to make passive income. You can do real estate, you can invest in certain companies and you can, you know, index funds, but it might take a while. I think it's just, it's a quick win. It's the best feeling in the world when you make money, when you wake up to a notification that you made money overnight. So whether that's, you know, whether you want to package your knowledge and sell an ebook about something that you're an expert in, whether you want to dive into the printables game and start creating like fun, again, calendars, planners, invitations, templates, like there's so many different things that you can productize and, you know, throw up in an Etsy shop or sell on your own website. If you're someone who has a website or open a Shopify store, the possibilities are truly endless. 100% agree. And digital is the way to go from someone that started in the physical space. I thought mm. I was a genius when I picked the temporary <laughs> tattoos because you can buy those fairly inexpensively compared to people that were investing in vacuums or whatever, these large products that are super awkward to store in your house and you need to find storage for them. I can put these in a little box and put them under my bed. But the thing with a physical product is that you have to have money starting out to invest. So I still had to spend five or $600 to invest in these designs in which I still have thousands of designs that didn't sell because only half of them took off. So if you're ever attending a bachelorette party and you want a raunchy set of tattoos, I got a box for you under my bed that I can give to you. But that's the issue with a physical product. A digital, you can pivot at the drop of a hat. You wasted your time, but that's okay. You can just you know try another thing. 
without much cost to you. Now, we love the printables for that, but we will encourage you to niche down because if you just hear us and you say, you know, I'm going to make a general ebook about money or whatever, that's just not going to work. You got to follow a niche down as far as you possibly can go and learn everything about the customer that is interested in that niche and what they're looking for and what they want to buy and what are the current events. That's that's how a business owner is really successful. And we love helping you and kind of coming up with a program on how to do that because if you're starting out, you probably don't know how to do that, but there's certain tricks like looking up Google search volume and seeing what people type into Google. And there's simple things that you can do to get a sense of what the person actually wants. And once you pick that niche and you start it digitally, I think that's the best first step that someone can take. I was also in the physical product space. I had a disc golf company that I started when I was 19. It was the same thing. Like Someone ordered one disc and I had to package it up and I had to ship it to that person with a physical product. Like you make it once. And if it's successful, I have digital products in my shop that I've sold over a thousand times. Now imagine that was, you know, in the disc golf example, that would be me packaging up and shipping out a thousand individual products. But with something digital, it's a click of a button and it gets, and it can get delivered to, you know, one customer or 10,000 customers with no additional overhead or no additional work needed on your end, which is again, the beauty of digital products. Well, Julie and Cody, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. I think when it comes to passive income, you just don't know until you try. You might decide to quit your job and go for it with no safety net, or you might decide to build it carefully up while you're busy working away at your nine to five. You might go after something you're passionate about, or you may just do something that you know how to do that's going to make you money. You might leave corporate America, fail miserably, and find that you actually liked corporate America, or you may love corporate America, delve into passive income, and find out that it is your true passion. The point is, you won't know until you try. And if if you happen to be lucky enough, you might just make money all night long (laughs) while you're asleep. (laughs) all night long, making money. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where we can find you. Julie, let's start with you. What is going on with you and how can people reach out if they want to learn more? Okay. So I'm living the life in New England, doing the work from home mom thing. Every day I wake up, I have a nanny now, so I can get my coffee, go for a walk, take a shower. All the basics are taken care of before I actually sit down to work, which is lovely. But I think for me, you can check me out at Millennial Boss on Instagram, two L's, two N's. And of course, go to goldcityventures.com. That's where Cody and I offer most of our programs and, and sort of ideas. There's a blog if you want to follow up on any of the ideas that we shared today. And Cody, where in the world is Cody Berman? What is up next in his life? And how can we reach you if we want to learn more? Well, I'm currently in Naples, Italy, and I don't think travel is going to be slowing down for me anytime soon. That's kind of the beauty of this whole online passive income digital product space is I can work from anywhere. I can you know, travel the globe. And as long as I'm intentional about building out these systems... Again, I'll echo what Julie said, but you didn't mention the awesome workshop that we have on the homepage. If you want to check it out and like learn more about printables and digital products, we have a free workshop on there. If you guys want to check it out, you can check out my Instagram as well. It's at Cody D Berman. And you, know, you can follow me and learn about digital products and all the stuff that I'm doing to build these businesses. And Cody, what is the main website address for Gold City Ventures? 
goldcityventures.com. All right, goldcityventures.com. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Cody Berman and Julie Berninger. That's a wrap. Sorry, cool. I'm, a, I'm a little dull today. The COVID's got me. But no, I think you only had two tiny stutters, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, is there any, as you guys know, I keep the recording going just for the after show recording. Anything we didn't mention? Anything that like you're thinking about, you're like, oh, I think this is a big part of passive income we didn't talk about? Um, I know. I mean, if people want to learn more about like, digital products and printable specifically they can definitely like once they go to goldcityventures.com that we have like a whole slew of resources for the people who are genuinely interested about like giving this side hustle a go um i mean we covered a lot of a lot of ground with passive income i don't know if we miss i can't think of anything that we missed that's like a huge gaping hole in the podcast i can't think i mean this was really well done so great great questions i think the only thing when both cody and i came into this as people that were from the fire community we had a mindset about spending money that we had to get over. Mm. And when you're doing passive income, you often have to spend. Now you could DIY a lot of things, but then it's not passive because you're spending tons of time. We did talk about systems and all that, but I remember Cody, you and I had some pretty early conversations. I remember a particular pizza conversation where I'd already realized that it's time to spend money and you were like holding on to your wallet. Like, I don't want to spend that much. (laughs) And then we both kind of got over it and realized the more we spend, the more we make. So that's yeah. a mindset that we see tons of people who are just starting out. Like they'll complain about, you know, $5 thing. And then the truth is you're going to make $500 on that $5. So you have to kind of think differently when you're a business owner. Yeah. I was like so hesitant to invest because I'm like, why shouldn't I do this? Like I have the ability, I have the time. But now I think we have like 12 or 13 people on our payroll yeah, doing you guys various tasks. Up. I've looked at your kind of Gold City Ventures personnel thing. You've got a lot of people working with you. I mean, it's... Darn it, it's, amazing. it's a bonafide business. That's no joke. It's amazing. And yeah, yeah, like we, we, I mean, at this point, we, we would be stretched way too thin if we tried to do all that stuff. But at the beginning, I mean, we were in the Facebook groups, like answering every question and like, we were just dealing with all this stuff that I'm so thankful that I got over that frugal hump. But, you know, quite honestly, that's probably why I was able to quit. And that's why I was successful at first. But, you know, what gets you there doesn't get you to the next place. So I had to get over that, that hurdle. Julie, I have to add, I love the fact that you brought up our beloved friend, Gwen Mers, because um, I think this happens to a lot of us too in the financial independence movement. All of us have this like inner deep push that we should be doing all sorts of passive income things. Mm-hmm. Like Gwen will tell you she didn't have the best go at it, but she is so much happier in life now that she tried it, realized it wasn't for her, no longer had that push. You're same with real estate. Like mm-hmm. you get in this community, you get this whole push. I got to do these things. I got to do these things. Well, you know what? She went out, did it. It didn't fit her, but she seems a lot happier back in a job. Like she found a peace of mind. I don't think she would have found otherwise. No, totally. And how are you going to find yourself? And actually it was kind of, uh, one of the reasons I ended fire Joe podcast or, you know, didn't do it is that it was a coming of age sort of fire thing where we interviewed yeah. people doing it in all different ways. And then we found the way that worked for each of us. And then we were kind of done, if, if I could describe it to you. I mean, obviously, 
I couldn't do a hundred things. I couldn't take anything else after the pandemic, but part of it too was like, oh, I realized what I like. I don't want to, I, I would just want to interview people that do online entrepreneurship the rest of the time. So, you know, I think she had that moment as well. I think it's, you know, it's funny, but that's actually, that's the cycle of fire. The people who truly, I think, kind of embrace it. Yeah. You get to the, you, the, your podcast is a perfect example. You get to a point it's like, okay, now I'm done. Like the purpose of it is for it to wear itself out so you can move on in life. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets you where you need to be. Uh, it's an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. So I'm, I love that about it. And I, I met cool people and it's been great. I mean, that's how Cody and I met, how we met. So true. Yeah. Time well spent. Why, why didn't you take all those listeners and downloads and just push them to Cody and my, my podcast? Though? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, why didn't I, you I just send them right at us? Just a one minute clip. It's like, go listen to these two podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be a market for like selling a podcast or something if I had really done it. And yeah. I think I just kind of convinced myself, oh, I'll just take a little break. But then I'm like, oh, I'll go back into it. And then now I realize I'm probably never. I, yeah. I'm thinking about publishing like the epilogue and, you know, maybe I can uh, pivot people away to other things. But, mm. you know, this this is where I mentioned my mindset that I never can stop and I always want to do more. It kills me that I have this asset, yeah. a fire drill podcast that I haven't used. Millennial Boss, the blog, it's, I, there was a certain point where it was like a personal diary. And then I realized like, oh, I can make more money if it's more of like a keyword game. Mm-hmm. And it actually just sits there and makes money, but it could be really good if I had time and I just <laughs> don't have the time. So, you know, every, every day I wrestle with like, I don't have the time, but then I have like, you know, the, the angel devil, I have like, someone's like, just be grateful for what you have. And like, you have something yeah. really good. So you got to enjoy what you have. But, so you know, it's a daily struggle. I have lots and lots of thoughts about this, but I'm just going to send you my book instead. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a digital, I'm going to send you a digital copy. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. And I think all of us have this a little bit as we're just so we've lived our lives very achievement focused and it's really hard to let go of achievement. Um, mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that a huge, huge amount. Um, mm. There's a lot to be said for 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 switching to process above product, um, and there's also a lot to be said in in celebrating incremental gain as opposed to meeting the final goal. But mm. the, the I mean, I, like I said, that could be a, a hours and hours conversation. That's a whole but, other topic, yeah. But oh yeah, I, I, I think of Siddhartha. I'm in. I'm in it with you. You know, uh, like Siddhartha. Siddhartha? Yeah. Like, or like, there's like that famous thing where he's like, I am Siddhartha and he has to like, let go of his prestige and all that stuff. I think about that all the time. Cause when I'm meeting my new neighbors, I'm always like, you know, when they say, well, what do you do? I always feel like I have to be like, oh, I just, you know, I worked at Amazon. I I, I don't really want to get into this whole thing. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of ways to go there. Yeah. But I will tell you, um, I think I'm closer than I was a few years ago. Like that's been a lot more of my piece of this stage of my life. Um, you are still pretty young and still pretty new to being away from corporate America. My suspicion mm-hmm. is that if the, if the push really is there to, to get to the point where that feels more comfortable, like you will, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you may decide that, no, I really do love achievement and that's what I want to do. And that's a whole different thing. But if you get to the point where you're like, Oh, this achievement feels good short-term, but long-term makes me really stressed and anxious you'll get to a point where you find ways to allay that is my suspicion because you're thoughtful about it as opposed to someone who just kind of runs on the treadmill and never even thinks about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through all that and then, you know, just being married, like 
what if the other person is not achievement oriented and just he's yeah. like my husband's like this is great we have like the greatest setup i'm like don't you want to just like do all these things like no <laughs> i wanted to he doesn't want to do it all yeah. so it's just interesting that. i had to run to the door yeah, no, <laughs> no worries yeah yeah i'll definitely let me i'll send you my book if you have any extra free time because i'm sure you have so much um, but the perspective is, is what dying can teach us about money in life. And the dying rarely, rarely say, I wish I made more money. They rarely, most of the time say, I wish I had gotten that promotion. Often the things they focus on are very different. And sometimes it's just yeah. even having that perspective now, as opposed to waiting until you're terminally ill can change the way you think about these things a little bit. I would love sure. that. Thank you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off, wherever you get your podcasts.